0: Hosting for this podcast is made possible through mtgcast.com, which is supported by a generous contribution from quietspeculation.com, Magic's premier trading and financial news site. Hello, and welcome to Delving Draft, this episode 28 recorded on the 10th of June, 2013. My name's Craig, and I am your host. Unfortunately, Steve made the decision that he uh, he's going to take a hiatus from the show. He's not really playing as much magic as he used to be, certainly not as much as when we started the podcast. And because of that, he's decided there's no point sort of podcasting when you're not really playing the game and you're not really interested in the game. I mean, it doesn't make much sense to do that. So he's decided he's going to take a hiatus. No idea how long for. I mean, how long do you get? you know, less interested in something, how long does it take you to get re in something, who knows, but the door is open for Steve's return whenever he desires, but until then, I'm on my own, I may try to get guest hosts, I'll be honest, the reason that there hasn't been many podcasts recently is because I've been a little bit less motivated, because Steve isn't next to me, that's, you know, I'm not blaming Steve for any of that, it's just, I'm not motivating myself as much as I should do, but I'm here now, recording, and, yeah, the show may be a little bit more infrequent, but... I'm still going to keep going as long as you're willing to listen, so let's do this. Let's get into the news. Um, So Modern Masters is out. Hopefully everybody is aware of this. If not, then unfortunately it's probably already sold out. However, Modern Masters is coming to Magic Online. So from the 14th of June... Modern Masters will be on Mitgo, there's 64-player premium drafts, there'll be standard booster draft queues, and there will also be Phantom booster draft queues, which you can use cube tickets to enter if you don't have the money to do a normal booster draft or you're not interested in that sort of thing. It is going to be at a more expensive cost, um, because while Modern Masters is... Potentially higher quality product, insofar as the price of the cards. Also, I guess they want to somewhat replicate the limited quantities, and they don't want to flood the market too much, so higher price point sort of helps against that. But if you want to play it, Modern Masters will be on Mitko. Um, No idea how long it's going to be around for, but it's starting on the 14th of June, and yeah... So today's topic is um going to be about Modern Masters. The show maybe next show, uh these will both be rather short shows especially this one. Um just going to be talking about Modern Masters because it is a draft format, it is a limited environment. Um it's I would say the most complex limited environment we are likely to see in a while, likely to have seen in a while. I imagine this will rival Time Spiral, not that I ever drafted the Time Spiral block, but I imagine it rivals that in terms of complexity. So, unfortunately, this is coming out after Modern Masters release, but if you're playing on Midgo, then hopefully this will help a bit. I'm going to cover the mechanics of Modern, uh, specifically the mechanics which appear in Modern Masters, just to make sure that everybody's got a clear understanding of how it all works and what it all means. So... I'm just going to run through alphabetically. Affinity um, means that for each whatever I have affinity for, so specifically in Modern Masters, you have affinity for artifacts. For each artifact you got in play, the cost of this card is reduced by one. So you have two artifacts in play, and I've got a four-drop affinity for artifacts creature. It's only going to cost me two to play. This does only count artifacts you control, it obviously doesn't count the artifact you're about to play, because that would make no sense, and it does only reduce the generic amount of mana. Now, this doesn't make any difference in Modern Masters, because the two cards which have Affinity for Artifacts are 4-Colorless and 7-Colorless, but say, for example, your Affinity for Artifact card had a blue in the mana cost, you couldn't reduce the blue, you couldn't reduce that anyway, because it is not generic mana, you know, it's not the number, blue cannot be reduced by Affinity for Artifacts, or Affinity for anything, so... Changeling's the next mechanic, and this is very important in Modern Masters, because we've got the Goblin Tribe, we've got the Fairies Tribe, the Giants Tribe, um, there's, of course, Storm which cares about dragons. Changeling is on a creature, and it means this creature is every creature type. So if you go, is this Changeling a dragon? Yes, it is. Is it a fairy? It's that as well. Is it a goblin? Yep. Giant? Yep. It's also a wizard, it's a warrior, it's a badger, it's a werewolf, it's... You think of anything, it's that as long as anything covers any of the actual list of creatures, as stated in the Comprehensibles. So yeah, it's every creature type, all the time, any zone. So if you're, say, playing Dragonstorm, which requires you to find a dragon permanent, changelings are dragon permanent, even though they are, say, in the library at the time. Changeling is in all zones. The next one is Cycling. So Cycling has a mana cost attached to it, so for example Cycling 2, and that means you may discard this card and pay the 2 mana, and you get a draw card. So it's a simple way of going, okay, I don't want this spell just now because it may be a really expensive spell, but what I really need is card draw. So I'll pay two mana, get rid of this card, and get a new card. Awesome. Basic land cycling is an alternate sort of type of land cycling. It's the one which is a bit more prevalent in Modern Masters. Again, basic land cycling has a mana cost. For example, say one and a green. And that means you can discard the card for one and a green to look through your library to get a basic land. So cycling just draws a card from the top of your library whereas basic land cycling you get to seek out the basic land you want. So obviously basic land cycling is really good for your mana fixing. There's the entire cycle of basic land fixing uh, sorry, basic land cycling cards in Modern Masters, one in each colour, one each of them for one and a colour. So it's really good for fixing your mana. Delve is the next one. So Delve is an interesting one, it's on two cards, and it means you can reduce the cost of this card by one for each card you exile from your graveyard. So this was mechanically wanted to bring back an instrad, but it ended up not working well, because you don't want to have Delve and flashback in the same set, because you want to flashback your cards in the graveyard, but unfortunately Delve wants to remove your cards in the graveyard. Not very synergistic, but Delve is in this, so a bit like Affinity, you can exile cards to reduce the colourless mana. So Tombstalker costs 6 black and black, as I recall. If you were to exile 6 cards from your graveyard, it would cost black and black. If you were to exile 2 cards from your graveyard, it would cost 4 black and black. If you were to reduce, say, uh, exile 20 cards from your graveyard, it would still cost the black and the black. Because you it doesn't reduce colour of mana. And you can't gain mana by exiling cards. I mean, you go to zero, it doesn't matter if you want to go into negatives, you're not gaining mana anyway. So the minimum Tomb Soccer will cost you is black black. Likewise, Logic Knot, which is the other Delve card, the minimum will cost you is blue and blue. There's no way to reduce the blue cost, like there's no way to reduce the black cost. You can only reduce the colourless mana. Right, Dredge is the next one. So Dredge has a number after it. For example, Dredge 3. This means if the card's in your graveyard and you were to draw a card, you may instead mill yourself for the number. So put, say, three cards from your library into the graveyard and return the card, the Dredge card in your graveyard, to your hand. So this is very much about um recurring cards in your graveyard. And Dredge is the second most broken mechanic in Magic. We'll get to Storm in a bit. Dredge allows you to get reuse out of your cards. Now, I'm not sure how to play dredge in Modern Masters, so I'm not quite sure how relevant it is for me to go into why you'd want to dredge. But basically means, if a card's in your graveyard, you may mill yourself for that many cards to get in your hand, if you were to otherwise draw a card. You can't do this at any time, it has to be when you draw a card, say for example during your draw step, you may instead dredge a card instead. The next mechanic is... Pretty much downside mechanic, it's Echo. So Echo, again, has a mana cost, uh, with the exception of one card, which requires you to discard a card. Echo means the upkeep after you play this card. So I play my Hammerhaim Deadeye. He costs me three in a red to play, but his Echo cost is five in a red. And that means at the upkeep after I play them, I need to pay five in a red, or he is sacrificed. So it does seem like a downside, but generally you're kind of getting a bit of a cheap creature and an enter the battlefield effect for the lower cost if you don't want to pay the echo cost to keep the creature around. So eh, it's sort of like paying a slightly cheaper cost to get an effect rather than the creature. Now the next ability will only appear on modal spells. Those are the spells that say like choose one or choose two. Um, entwine means you pay the cost for entwine. So say entwine two and you get all the modal effects. So the key card here ...is probably Tooth That's a big iconic card. So Tooth Nail says, search your library for up to two creature cards, reveal them and put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. Or you may put two creature cards from your hand onto the battlefield, and it's a choose-one effect. So if you were to play the Entwine cost alongside the mana cost, so Tooth costs five green and green, the Entwine is two, so it'd be seven green and green, then that means you could tutor for two creature cards and put them into play. You get the whole effect. Um, this also appears Rude Awakening Stir the Pride Blinding Beam it just if you pay the entwined cost you get both effects Evoke is our next ability, and it's a bit like Echo. Evoke means you can play uh, this card for a slightly cheaper cost, generally, and but the creature is immediately sacrificed as it comes into play. Now, you're going, why would I want to play a creature which instantly dies? Because they either have an enter or leaves the battlefield effect. So you evoke to kind of get a spell-like ability out of your card, but if you're able to pay sort of the, well, creature's normal cost, then you get to keep the creature around. So just to give you an example of this, a for snipe costs five in a blue to get the creature, which is a four-four, and when it enters the battlefield, you get a bounce of permanent. But you can evoke it for one blue and blue, so you can basically get a well, it's not non-summon because it's a permanent, but you know you can get a bounce effect for one blue blue, or you can get the bounce effect plus creature for five in a blue. So it's generally a cheaper way to get just an effect as opposed to the creature. Although do remember. This creature is in the battlefield and does get sacrificed. So anything which cares about creatures enter the battlefield, any creatures leaving the battlefield or hitting graveyard, those all matter. It's not like you just get the end to the battlefield effect and the creature just goes straight to graveyard, should it be relevant for anything. Next, we have Kicker. So Kicker has a cost attached to it. So, for example, Kicker Red. And generally, the card will say if the Kicker cost is paid, then something else will occur. So, you know, I pay, say... Two and a green to play the Sitanul Wood Readers, but if I pay the kicker cost of two and a green, so in total I'm playing four green green, then I also get the kick effect, which allows me to draw two cards. Next, we have modular. So modular has a number after it. Generally, you'll find it's modular one. And that means when this creature comes into play, it comes into play with however high the modular number is, number of plus one, plus one counters. So modular one means it comes with a plus one, plus one counter. When this creature dies, you may move any plus one, plus one counters on this creature onto another target artifact creature. So I play a 1-1 one, one modular creature. I play a second 1-1 one, one modular creature. My first one dies. I move that plus one, plus one counter onto my other Artifact Creature, so it's now got 2 plus 1 plus 1 counters. Let's say I play another Artifact Creature, and my Artifact Creature with the 2 plus 1 plus 1 counters dies, I can move those both over to my new Artifact Creature. So, you'll find counters move around a lot when Modular. That's sort of the whole point. Now, there is uh, one card which has Modular Sunburst, and Sunburst is uh, another mechanic and I'll cover that now, why not? So Sunburst means for each colour of mana you use to cast this creature, or spell, I should probably say, you get to you put get a uh, plus one, plus one counter on it. So for example, someone with Sunburst and has five colourless mana to cast, if I, say, just pay five white, then it's only going to have one plus one, plus one counter on it. If I play Wooburg, also, each of the colors, it will have five plus one plus one counters on it. Now, what happens if I have a sunburst creature which has less than five? What happens if I've got a sunburst creature which only costs me four? There's no way to pay the five colored mana, which means the maximum it's ever going to have is the four plus one plus one counters on it from being cast with sunburst. So modular sunburst means it comes into play with a number of plus one plus one counters equal to the colors of mana you played to cast the spell, but it still has a modular effect that when it dies, you can move those counters onto another target artifact creature. Right, Persist is the next one. This is sort of like Undying, but the opposite way around. So with Undying, when your creature dies, it comes back into play with a plus one, plus one counter. With Persist, when your creature dies, it comes back into play with a minus one, minus one counter. So your creature gets a little bit smaller as opposed to a little bit bigger. Now, just an interesting rules interaction for those who don't know how plus one, plus one, and minus one, minus one counters work on the same creature, because you can either are both plus one, plus one, and minus one, minus one counters in the set. If you've got a creature with, say, a minus one minus one counter on it, and you're able to give it a plus one plus one counter on it, they negate one another. I mean, obviously minus one plus one equals zero, but the two counters are both removed. So I've got a creature with three plus one plus one counters on it, and I suddenly put two minus one minus one counters on it, it'll be left with one plus one plus one counter on it. None of the minus one minus ones are there, and the other plus one plus ones have all gone. So this is a way to break persist. If you're able to say put a plus one plus one counter on a persist creature then poof goes to minus one minus one counter and when it dies again it'll go I don't have a minus one minus one counter on it. I come back into play. Prowl is an interesting mechanic. So Prowl is always on a creature. So let's say for example I have Latchkey Fairy which is a fairy rogue. Now it also has Prowl two in a blue. This means that If a creature dealt combat damage to a player that has the same types as the creature with Prowl, then you can cast it for this alternate Prowl cost. So, specifically with Latchkey Fairy, if I dealt combat damage to a player with a Fairy or a Rogue, then I can pay the Prowl cost instead of the normal mana cost to cast a creature. Now, Prowl costs tend to be a little bit cheaper, and Prowl costs tend to have an effect. So, like, for example, Latchkey Fairy says, if it enters the battlefield and its Prowl cost was paid, then you get a draw card. Right. Protection from everything. So, protection is hopefully something you're aware of, although it is potentially one of the more trickier evergreen mechanics. give you a little bit of a clue. If you were thinking about protection, you need to remember the word DEBT. So, DEBT stands for damage, equip, block, and target. You cannot damage anything with protection from the thing you are. So, something with protection from red cannot be damaged by red spells or red creatures, red anything. It can't be equipped or enchanted by anything of red. Um, it can't be blocked by anything red. Now, it doesn't matter if, say, this is a red-black hybrid creature. It's still red. It can't, that, you know, a protection of red creature can't be blocked by a red-black creature. Lastly, it can't be targeted. So, you can't cast any spells targeting it, even though it would have, say, try to do damage. So, for, for example, you can't unsummon a creature with protection from blue, because you can't target it with unsummon because it's a blue spell. Now, protection from everything, slightly different. It has... It, it's just true of everything. There's some weird corner cases where you may go, "Well, oh, does that have protection from this weird corner? Yeah, it's got protection from everything. You can't damage it with anything. You can't equip it or enchant it. it. This is not, like, hexproof. It cannot be equipped or targeted by your own spells. It can't be blocked by anything, and it cannot be targeted by anything. So... The card in question is Progenitus. He does have a ridiculous casting cost of Wooberg Wooberg, double white, double blue, double black, double red, and double green, but he's worth it because then he can't be don't you can't do anything to him, and he hits for ten every turn. So you your opponent will be dead in short order if you somehow manage to cast it. Good luck on you trying that. Right, next mechanic: Retrace. I really like this. I've been enjoying this a lot. So Retrace means if this card's in your graveyard. Then you may discard a land and pay the mana cost of this card to cast the card. So it's a little bit like Flashback that you're casting a spell from your graveyard. The difference is the cost is the mana cost of the card. The retrace doesn't have like an alternate cost, but you do need to discard a land to cast it. And furthermore, unlike Flashback, the retrace card does not get exiled. It just sits in your graveyard. So let's say, um, Sends Enlistment, which is a retrace card with three and a white, is in my graveyard. And I draw a land for the turn. Now, I can pay three and a white and discard a land to cast Sense Enlistment. Say, next turn I draw another land. Oh, you know, normally this would be a really bad thing. I'm getting mana flooded or whatever. No, I can just discard the land again and cast Sense Enlistment again. So, it's really great recursion of a spell. But you are discarding land, so a little bit of strategy. Make sure you've got the enough land to cast all your spells before you start pitching a land to the graveyard to retrace things. Splice onto Arcane... Um... Yeah, I'm I hope I can get this across well. So there are a number of spells, instance and sorceries, which have the arcane subtype. Now this doesn't mean anything by itself. However, there are some cards with splice onto arcane on them. If I cast an arcane spell and I have any splice onto arcane spells still in hand, I can pay the cost, the spliced onto arcane cost, and I can add the card's effect, the card in my hands effect, to the card I've just cast. So let's say I've cast Glacier Ray which is an Arcane spell, but I've got Desperate Ritual on hand. I can pay the 1 and a red, which is a splice onto Arcane cost of Desperate Ritual, to add Desperate Ritual's effect onto Glacial Ray. So Glacial Ray says deal 2 damage to target player or creature. Desperate Ritual says add red, red, red to your mana pool. If I if I pay the splice to Arcane cost whilst casting Glacial Ray, then Glacial Ray will say Glacial Ray does 2 damage to our creature or player and add red, 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 red to your mana pool. So, Splice Hunter Arcane gives you the ability to get multiple uses out of your spell. Because you may be thinking, well, why am I paying the same cost to splice as I would just to cast the Desperate Ritual? Well, obviously the difference is, to splice, the card is in your hand, and it doesn't go anywhere when you splice. It's not like you sort of discard the card to splice onto the spell you just cast. You get to keep the card, so I array ray and splice uh, Desperate Ritual onto it. Say next turn I cast I get I draw a Glacier Ray I can cast Glacier Ray and once again splice onto arcane the desperate ritual onto it and I still haven't cast my desperate ritual but I've already got two effects out of it which is pretty cool now note you can't splice onto arcane with the same card more than once onto the same spell so I couldn't say go I cast Glacier Ray I've got one splice onto arcane card in hand and I'm just going to pay the cost like three times over and get the effect three times on the same card that doesn't work. However, say you've got multiple Splice and Turcane cards in your hand, you can pay the cost for each of the cards you want and get all of those effects onto it. So if I did have, say, four Desperate Rituals in my hand, I could pay one in red for each of them to get the effect of each of the cards. But you do have to reveal them at the same time, so that proves that you're not, say, trying to get three effects of Desperate Ritual for the one card. I hope that's explained it clearly enough. The key point is you don't discard the card from your hand. You just reveal it and you get the bonus effect. Right, split second means when I cast a spell, you can't put anything onto the stack. Although that's not entirely true. When I carve a card with split second on the stack, you're not able to cast any spells that either you're your opponent. You can't activate any activated abilities, so that's anything you know with a colon, generally it's like pay a cost, tap, colon, do something, that sort of thing. You can't do any of those. However, triggered abilities can still go into the stack with split second. So let's say um I cast Sudden Shock, which is two damage to target creature and player, targeting your creature. Now, you can't, say, cast an unsummoned to return to your hand. You can't activate some ability which allows you to redirect the damage or pump it up. But let's say there was... Um, you had Kira Great Glass Spinner in play, which says whenever a creature is targeted by a spell or ability for the first turn each card, it's countered. I cast Sudden Shock. Now... The triggered ability will still trigger, it will still go into the stack, and it will counter the Sudden Shock. But you can't cast any spells, you can't activate any activated abilities, but triggered abilities will still happen. So do note that if somebody has, say, Kira Great Glass Spinner in play, and you try to Sudden Shock something, it will be negated the first time, the second time you'll be fine, and they won't be able to react to it. Unless there's a triggered ability. Storm. Most broken mechanic in magic... They've tried making it work multiple times. It hasn't. Storm is very much a deck. And we get a few Storm cards in this. So Storm means for each time you cast a spell this turn, you get a copy of this spell, and you can choose new targets. So let's just use a concrete example. At the beginning of my turn, I cast Grape Shot. Grape Shot has Storm, and it says do one damage to our creature player. So I cast Grapeshot. Shot. No spells have been cast before it, so I just get my base effect. One grapeshot, Shot, one damage to something, ping. Then I cast a second Grapeshot. Now, this goes... I've got Storm. How many ca- spells have we cast this turn? Well, it sees the first Grapeshot. It goes one. Okay. It creates a copy of itself and puts that onto the stack, and you can choose a new target for it. So, effectively, we have two Grapeshots now, which can each target something different if I want, and I go ping-ping. I cast Grapeshot again. Now, it looks for how many spells I've cast this turn. Now, I have had three Grapeshot effects so far, but one of them was a copy, and copies are not cast. They're simply put onto the stack. So when I cast my third Grapeshot, it's going to see the two Grapeshots I cast, but not the Grapeshot which was copied and put on the stack. So I'll get the Grapeshot I cast and two copy effects. The fourth Grapeshot I cast will allow me to do four damage, sort of divided as I will. So see the three Grapeshots I cast before, not the six. Even though I've done six damage already, it's only going to see the three cards I actually cast from my hand and copy it three times. For a total of 4 damage. So, if you cast 4 Grave Shots in a row, it's 10 damage. It's not, um... 14? More? I can't even think. Copy... Spells which are copied and put on the stack are not cast. However, Suspend, which I'll get onto shortly, they are cast. Actually, let's just get them to Suspend now. So, Suspe- Suspend has a number and has a cost. So, say Suspend for, uh, for red. Instead of casting the spell for its normal mana cost, which tends to be a lot more... um, I can instead cast a spell, but it gets exiled. And I'm paying the cost, the suspend cost. And it gets exiled with a number of time counters on it equal to the number. Now, during my upkeep, I remove one of these time counters from it. And if I remove the last one during my upkeep, I get to cast the spell for free. So um, let's just take Greater Gargadon as an example. It has to spend 10, which is ridiculous. But it only costs red. Instead of the 8 and a red to cast it? So I, for turn 1, I go Mountain... Pay red, discard, uh, well, exile, greater gargadon, 10 time counters. In 10 times turn, during my upkeep, I'll be removing the last counter, and it'll be cast. Now, even though I'm not paying the mana cost, it is cast, and that will affect your storm count. So, if you are going for storm, go for suspend as well, and try to make sure your suspend lines up with the time you want to cast your storm spells. uh, Because you'll get, you know, it'll count the suspend spells when it's trying to work out how many copies it wants. Right, hopefully that was a relatively straightforward, I may have just been covering a lot of material you already knew, hopefully I've covered a bit of the, some of the nuances which may have eluded sort of your read on the cards. Right, as I say, short show, but before we go, there is a competition ongoing, for those who are unaware, um every week, well I say every week, I suppose every episode, I'm asking a question, and the answer to the question is a card, and if you know what card I'm what a card the question answers then you can email us um or email me at wthdraft.gmail.com at um the title should be question three for the specific question and you just want to put in the name of the card and your magic online username because what you can win is a draft pack of dragon's maze so that's two boosters of dragon's maze two boosters of gate crash two boosters of return of Radica, and the two event tickets to play in a sealed event Or you can break it up, you can play in a draft, and you'll have three boosters left over. Not the event tickets, but only two event tickets, that's $2. Anyways, the question for this week. Um, So Modern Masters uh, specifically was cards from 8th edition all the way to the end of the Shards of Lara block. So none of these cards are standard legal in the slightest. However, one of the cards is actually extended playable. It is legal and extended. For those who are not aware, and I'm not surprised, extended is all the cards from the last four years. So standards are the cards from the last two years. So that's Richard Radical Block, it's M13, and it's Innistrad. Now extended is the last four years, so that includes M12, M11, Zendikar, and Scars Block. Now one of the cards of Modern Masters was printed in one of those sets, and is legal and extended, but which card is it? Now, hopefully that's an easier question than my previous questions, but who knows? You're looking for the one card which is extended legal in Modern Masters. If you know, email us, damagedraftatgmail.com, question 3, the name of the card, your MITGO username. At some stage, whenever I finally get to the end of this competition, record the next show, I'll do some sort of raffle, I'll, I'll give you a deadline, and I'll do a raffle, and we'll see who wins. Right, um, yeah, ultra short show... It's really, would be really, 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 I can't emphasize enough useful if you let me know what you think about these solo shows. Like, I do apologize that I've been really untimely and haven't been recording anywhere near as regularly as I used to. That's entirely my fault, and if you want to have a go at me for that, feel free. Not much I can do for the past. I'll try to do better in the future. But do let me know if this solo show is good. I'm potentially not the most rapturous host. Um, Maybe I can't carry the show on my own. And if that's the case, let me know, and I'll make sure that you know there are two hosts going forwards. Even if I do have to like randomly grab some person off the street to just talk at. Let me know if solo shows are okay, or you really prefer the duo dynamic, or more. Anybody shouting, I want Steve back. I feel your sentiment, but Steve has opted to, you know, step back. I fully respect that choice. If Steve comes back, it will be of his own volition. So please don't pester him about it. Um, cause I don't think that that's really encouraging sort of going, why do you leave the show? Don't do that. But, you know, let me know if solo shows is okay, if duo shows is better, whatever. Anyways, um, we're in Tumblr, uh, to draft at It's the, you can get the shows quicker that way. Um You may have noticed there's probably an ad at the beginning of the show if you've been listening on NTGCast. That's going to be the case of things going forward. So if you really can't stand advertisements at the beginning of your show, then you can download from down draft at tumblr.com. There won't be any ads there ever as far as I'm concerned unless some ma- some magical gods give us a sponsorship. Our email address, delvingthedraftachievum.com. That is the email address you want to send your competition entries into. And you still have time to enter, um, the first two questions. So if you want to go back to episodes 26 and 27 and listen and, uh, answer those questions, that's fine. I'm on Twitter as ravac underscore. If you want to get in touch with Steve, um, he's Toe Jam Horse. Yours for this week with me, Craig, and unfortunately nobody else. Um, the intro and outro music is by Kevin McLeod. The name of the song is The Canary, and it is royalty Free Music licensed under Creative Commons by Tributation 3.0.